0: The Laughter Permitted podcast is brought to you by Ally. Do it right.
1: We're
0: back! Yes! Welcome to Season 5 of Laughter Permitted. I'm Julie Foudy, alongside my co-host as always, Lynn Zowie. Hola, Lynn! Hi, Julie. I don't know about you, sister, but it seems like just the other day... We were singing, who's got a podcast? We do, we do. Who's got a podcast? We do, we do. And literally, a sneeze later and season five is upon us, which is so crazy. So I've got my red sequin party dress on. Nice. Yes.
1: Ready to rumble, party people. We are excited to be back with the Dope Village and are kicking off the season strong with the return of Abby Wambach to the podcast.
0: Or Mary Abigail Wombatch, as her (laughs) new teachers called her as a kid. Abby was, you may recall, our first ever episode of Laughter Permitted with her wife, Glennon Doyle. And with Abby, there really is no shortage of things to talk about. So, of course, we asked her if she'd come back. And along with being a World Cup champion, two-time Olympic gold medalist, and legend in the game of soccer... Abby is a New York Times bestselling author with two books, Forward and Wolfpack. There's also a Young Reader's Edition of Wolfpack. And my goodness, Abby has lived a journey. We talk about the highs and the lows. And believe me, she's had plenty of both. The first part of the interview... We kind of geek out on old soccer stuff, so consider yourself warned, and the second half we discuss how the journey has shaped so much of what she is doing now. Always a treat to catch up with my friends, so get comfortable listening, it's Mary Abigail Wambach. Hey there, Dope Village. As y'all know, Ally has backed, laughter permitted, since day one of our podcast as our financial ally, and... Honestly, Lynn, I might just tattoo Ally on my forehead. And Ally is currently on a mission to change the game for women sports. And get this, along with being sponsors of the National
1: Women's Soccer League, Atlantic Coast Conference, United States Golf Association, and the Las Vegas Aces, Ally has committed to an equal media investment in women's and men's sports.
0: And you, my friends, can be part of the change by watching your favorite athletes crush it on TV, by going to women's sporting events in person, by, I don't know, maybe listening to every single episode of this amazing podcast on trailblazing women. Because every time you show up for women's sports, you are helping move the game forward. You can learn more about Ally by visiting ally.com. Hey there Dope Village, Lynn and I have been involved in women's sports our entire lives and truly we've never been more excited for what's to come in this women's sports space and one big reason, Ally. Ally has made a commitment to an equal media investment in women's and men's sports. And that means more money going to women's sports
1: and more visibility for what these incredible athletes are accomplishing. Ally is on a mission to change the game for women's sports. So here at Laughter
0: Permitted, we're going to keep telling the stories of trailblazing women. And every time you listen in, you are part of that change. To learn more about Ally, go to Ally.com.
2: wazzup
0: uh... oh look at okay, that, that, mic. that mic what's up that oh, is that, a setup
1: setup is amazing
0: your camera looks really good too Ellie. yeah what's the deal with your camera there? your
1: lighting
2: is
0: fantastic
2: i did a an event with a company a couple of weeks ago and they sent this sony 4k camera um yeah. it's like a mirrorless camera or whatever and i was like all right like who do you want me to send this stuff back to and they're like just keep it and i was like okay this is amazing and so this is what my face looks like on all my event stuff now
0: it's so really it just,
2: nice i know it just automatically blurs out the background so it like doesn't look like we're always trying to like get people to buy untamed um, <laughs> but you know what bit...
1: it, it's working I, It's <laughs> working.
2: <laughs> um so what's going on everybody everybody Hi. good
0: thank you for doing this my friend oh, are you kidding You're me so sweet Love you for that. So let's rock and roll. Mary Abigail Wombach. set the scene, please.
2: All right. So here we are. I am currently in Naples, Florida. Um, I have a little podcasting situation set up. I've got foam around my face. (laughs)
0: Um, Okay. So Ab, when Lynn and I were discussing, uh, she actually said, when... When was the first time you met Abby? And I was like, Ooh. Well, I know, okay, I did the same thing. Cause I was like, I mean, I know it was at a national team camp but I cannot remember where or when. Do you have a better recollection? Yes, I do.
2: Because you do? I remember. Oh, yeah, I rem- I,
0: Cause I can't I remember shit life, thank you.
2: I remember my first national team camp and my first national team meal. So I walked in and this is during, this is right before 9-11 by the way, 2001. Yeah. And it was in the Nike Cup, is that what I remember it was called. Okay. Um, we were playing in the Nike Cup tournament. We were playing against Germany. That was my first, like, situation. Um, we were going to play more games, but it ended up getting canceled because 2000, because of the 9 11 attacks. Um, and I remember walking into my first meal room and Julie Foudy was in there. And this actually had a really big impact on me. Oh uh, and Jules, I'm I'm clear you will not remember this, <laughs> okay. but I remember the way that you greeted me, mm-hmm. being the new kid, being the newcomer. Aww. Please um, tell me I was nice. You were you were exceptionally nice. You came right up to me. You welcomed me. You you know just were just so wonderful and so often the meal room is like the space for the national team where you all kind of meet up. Right. So it's like usually before night training on the day that you all arrive for, for the first day of camp. Um, so you're there at lunch or whatever and you were there and that totally set the standard for me in the way that I met Uh any new person that came into camp. Didn't matter if they're a player or a staff member, Um, it was like, who are you? And welcome. And like, we're really happy to have you sort of situation. So yes, I remember Julie, because I think you were probably the only one that actually came up to me and talked to me. (laughs) Um, You know, Lil didn't speak a word to me for like two years. That's for sure.
0: That was Lil. (laughs) That wasn't you. (laughs) Um,
2: And, you know, Mia was very shy. Well, not shy. She just didn't talk to me for a while. But you were just you were out there. And I I kind of kept that tradition going on after you left and retired, so I appreciate that and thank you for it. That's so
0: nice to hear. I'm so happy. I was saying to Lynn, I, uh, I don't remember where we were or what national team camp we were at, but I said, the thing I remember about Abby is my first impression will stay with me forever of like, oh my God, this kid who when... As you know, young kids come into the national team, they're quiet and they're timid and they're shy. And it takes so
2: embarrassed. It
0: could take years to get someone out of their shell. And Abby was just like, hey, what's up? You know, all in from day one. And I was like, I love this about her this confidence, Mm. this boldness, this already at a young age walking into this completely uncomfortable, inherently uncomfortable environment was amazing. Was I mean,
2: Jules, like that, that was the nicest way of saying I, m- I have nervous energy in, inside of me. And when I have that nervous energy, I start talking and I can't stop. <laughs> so that was a really, really sweet way of saying who I really am in moments of nerves and, and comfort <laughs> that I just talk, 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 talk. And it's uh, I talked I I talk all y'all's ear off. God, God help oh. you. God save you.
0: I love it. I loved I loved how bold you were right from the very beginning.
1: Well, it thank sounds thank like you. there is instant acceptance for that.
2: Mm-hmm. Yes. I mean, and also, you know, there's the banter. It's the locker mm. room, it's the being on the bus, and it's kicking ideas around, and it's shooting each other down, and it's, no, what are you talking about? Um, you know, that's what being on a team is so amazing. It's like you get a bunch of people who grew up in different places who – believed different things or who saw different experiences as, as children and, and, and you just shoot those ideas around. Right. And I think that what, what makes our women's national team so special is no matter how different or, or where we came from, everybody can still buy into the one idea, the one philosophy of winning and that's it. Right. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't matter any of the other stuff, political, religious or just like personality differences. But when you get on the field, if we can all buy into that one thing, we can actually figure out how to win and get along, right? And (laughs) I don't know. I think that there's a lot to be said about that and where we are right now in our world. God, Um, right? Yeah. Yeah. I just think that it's possible, you know, like there's just this hope. There's a trust too, right? Like
0: regardless of where you fall on different issues, like – I know you got my back when mm-hmm. the shit hits the fan. And that's, it's totally. hard to build in life, which I know has been it a is. mission of yours. So it
2: really is. And, uh, you know, Glennon and I, when we look at the, we, we don't really watch the news anymore because it's wild. But um, when we look at the world and we feel what's happening in the world, I am like the eternal optimist and she's not right. Cause she didn't grow up on a team and she didn't, she didn't rise on the women's national team where every day we were experiencing some sort of, you know, disagreement, whether it's off the field or even on the field. Right. But like, yet we were still able to win. How is that possible? Mm. And it's because you get a group of people together that if you can, no matter what, agree on one thing, Mm. you can actually still move forward. You can, it's possible. We proved it. And we keep proving it decade and generation after generation on our national team. It's why people love watching us. It's because personality, personalities aside, it's like winning is, um, it is the great unifier and it's possible. So I don't know. I, I tangented there, but you
0: know, we, we survive. <laughs> That's what we love about podcasts. <laughs> Tangents are welcome. Yeah. One of the things too, uh, Abs, that, when we were discussing where to go with this, was this journey? I mean, the thing I, that I keep coming back to when you look at the breadth of your career and life and everything is it has been a damn journey for you, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, there it has been an incredible journey, but there have been highs and there have been lows. And mm-hmm. I think sometimes people just see the shiny and the sparkly and, uh, you know, world's greatest goal scorer, iconic soccer player, and they don't understand what you've had to live through. So, for example, I said to Lynn yesterday, you know, she was cut from the national team at an early stage in her career. And she was like, what? Yeah, I never knew that. (laughs) How is that possible? I was like, yes. I mean, let's first start there.
2: Yeah, yeah. Ooh, this is fun! Gosh, I never get to talk about this part. Um right? So early on, I struggled to make the transition into the national team. I was doing really well in the in the club system. So when I got drafted to play for the Freedom, in the former WSA, um, first women's happened, professional league in the United States. Yep. Yeah, I happened to get drafted to play on Mia Ham's team. So. Early days, she was actually injured when I first got to the team, um, and and so when I was starting to train as a first-time professional, she would be on the sidelines watching practice and basically coaching me. And for the first couple of months, I was just getting like the most amazing one-on-one coaching training with the best one of the best players that I was ever suited up for for any team ever played for the women's game. So I felt like I was in a really good position, and so. When she found her way back on the field, we were able to develop a connection because I I basically, with every fiber of my being, just basically said, not just in words, but in, in my energy, like, whatever you want, I'm going to do. And I upheld that end of, end of the bargain throughout the time that I got to play with Mia. And because of that, I think that I was able to develop a trust with her that allowed the two of us to, de- to develop a a dynamic between the two of us that was pretty hard to defend against. Um, I was a big, strong target forward. Uh, she was fast crafty and you know, the intellect, the soccer intelligence was off the charts. So combining the strengths that the two of us had was a really hard, um, two front to kind of defend against. But yeah, those early days were really hard for me to make that transition because I actually remember, um, April Heinrichs, the the coach at the time, pulling me aside and asking me, literally asking me, Abby, are you playing your hardest in practice? And I said, no, I'm not. I'm afraid that I'm going to hurt one of these players.
0: Hurt? Like, what do you mean? Like, physically hurt?
2: literally, physically, because you guys were my idols. Like, I had pictures of all of you on my walls growing up of Lil, of you, of of Mia, um of April, of Karen Jennings, like all the national team like greats. And here I am, I'm 24 years old, 23 years old, playing against you. And I'm, you know, Jules, I'm like 50 pounds heavier than you. And so when we come into a collision,
0: I am gonna I hurt have, you. I have, I have the scars on my ankle to prove those collisions. <laughs> So literally, I just, I just kind of,
2: I just like turned my volume down during national teams because Mm. I was terrified. And April said to me, and this might be one of the best things a coach ever said to me. She said, Abby, if you are not playing your hardest, 100% max every practice, you are in fact hurting your team.
0: Mm.
2: And I was like, okay, I got it. I got that. And it was like, from that moment on, I started playing hard and she started to give give me more time um, on the field, which obviously gave me chances to score goals. And then as soon as I scored my very first goal for the national team, um, that was was it. I was like, oh, I've done it once. I can do this uh, a bunch more. So (laughs) my confidence just went through the roof.
1: Was being cut some sort of wake up call?
2: Yeah, I mean, there's something about being really embarrassed for me um, that that sets me sh- straight, so to speak. Um, having to call my parents and tell them that I got cut and I wasn't going to go to the Algarve Cup that year. Um, that was in 2002, I think. And then... Um, you know, April said, "You got to score more goals. You got to score more goals in, in your world in, in your club team." And so I went back to the freedom, and I I think I scored three goals that that weekend, <laughs> um, and then got called back into every. How camp. do you like
0: me now, April?
2: <laughs> yeah, and that was that was like right around the time when she was deciding on the World Cup roster. Oh, and you remember God. that like really weird time when the WSA was folding, yes, and uh, the World Cup was starting, and. Yeah. You know, April called me to her house. I drove from D.C. to somewhere in Virginia. It was a far place away. And she sat me down and told me that I was going to make the national team World Cup roster. And I was freaking out. I was like, she's either going to cut me or I'm going to make the team, right? So she told me I was going to make it. And then she tells me that I'm going to start most of the games. And I was like, (laughs) what? (laughs) What? I just got here. <laughs> I'm not ready for that. I'm not ready for that. Was she crazy? <laughs> it was, well, it that was um,
1: amazing that it was that quick of a turn.
2: Yeah. I mean, and I think that she was just going with the whole idea of we didn't have as much time to train collectively as a team, as a national team for that world championship because we were all in our club seasons. So because Mia and I were yeah, playing, were
0: tearing it up,
2: we were playing really well together. She just she just thought, OK, this is going to be keep the road we're going to go down. And yeah. mm-hmm. um, so I call it trends and forces that were working in my favor for sure.
0: Yeah. The other trend and force that was operating at that time was those damn Germans who got in our way. Oh, and 2003. <sighs> but Julie, do you remember? God damn it, do you I remember? don't remember. Why did I bring that up? Wait, I don't even, uh, yeah, I don't know do you what you remember talking about. <sighs> do you want to go there? The, no, I don't. I don't <laughs> want to go there. Yeah,
2: so this is my fault. This is this is my fault. So
0: my why is this is your something fault? I actually. I, oh my! It was
2: my mark that scored. Oh no! Are you freaking! I think me? I was standing in front yes. of her. No, Gareth Freckis Gara- scored, okay, and Freckis. she was my mark. <laughs> yes, <laughs> that's what I want to call her. So, yes. Yeah, so listen, this is what happened. You know, before every single game, I have replayed this a million times. So before every single game, April Hendricks makes us get up and do the whole set plays. So, you know, corner kicks, we all have to get up and be in in the locker room. We're all in our positions of where we're going to be in the corner kicks. This specific um, game, every scouting report was Gareth Freckis goes to the back post. Everything is to the back. Super post. quick. Can
1: you give me okay. what, what is the circumstance, year, tournament? What's going on? This is World Cup. This is Cup, 2003, 2003. World Cup. Semi
0: final. We've Portland, lost the Oregon. Olympics in 2000, so I'm already angry. I'm still angry from that. We're in Portland. Yeah. We're at home because it was supposed to be in China, but because okay. of SARS, back home. Okay. Semi final against yep. Germany in Portland. Germany. Yeah. 2003
1: World
2: Cup.
0: Yes. I'm caught Corner up. Corner kick.
2: Yeah. Corner kick. We got to win this game to go to okay. the finals of the World Cup. And it's early in the game um, and everything that we've been told Scott and report is Gera goes to the back post. Gera is my She's mark. tall. I'm manned to man on Gera And she is a tall German. Well, Gera goes and stands her ass on the front post, near post. And Julie, who is in her zone on the front post. What are you
0: doing here, Gara
2: uh, just, yes. She goes. What I wanted to say. Uh, Julie looks at me and I'm like, Jules. She said everything goes to the back post, but Gareth Freckis is here. And Julie, you go, okay, mark her. But if you see it goes to the back post, get your ass back there. <laughs> I did. And I was like, what? I'm like, how am I supposed to do that? I'm like, okay. So I'm kind of like in between two minds, which as an athlete is the mm. worst place. Yeah, to be. I should like have just said mark to be- her ass. So they serve the ball. It goes literally on a... It goes on a, a rope straight to Guerra head, and she just pops it in the goal, mm-hmm. right? So my mark scores. We end up losing the game 4-0 to zero, um, because we pressed forward and they were able to... Was it 4? I think oh, maybe, was, yeah, three, maybe 3. Maybe 3-0. Yeah. The only other worst <sighs> loss was Brazil in 07. That was 4-0. That was bad. Also, um, uh, yeah, so Guerra she scored and we lost that world cup and i have always felt it was all my fault
0: but let's let's fast forward
1: 2004 huh yes. okay
0: forget yes. Gareth. Yes. we're going to 2004 <laughs> and you i mean after you've lived this journey of being cut from the national team you get back on right we lose the world cup in 2003 2004 I, let's go back to that gold medal match because that was a Brazilian yeah. team that was probably one of the better Brazilian teams I've ever seen. Marta in her prime, Cristiano in her prime, mm-hmm. I mean, uh, mm-hmm. Formiga, they had all these amazing players. Ugh. It was the final. Us old bags Ugh. were in our 30s, so you had Mia, old, <laughs> me, old, Joy, old, uh, uh, no, Cardo was gone. Uh, who Brandy. else? Brandy. Brandy was old. Brandy, right? yeah. And Abby with that beautiful forehead, which I love to kiss. It just comes off Mm -hmm. of it on that header on a corner in a 112th Mm -hmm. minute against Brazil. Thank you. Yeah,
2: we scored. And, you know, this is right around the time where they changed the golden goal. So it was like the year later. They're like, no more golden goal. We're going to play two overtimes. And if it's still tied, you're going to go into penalty kicks. So we still had to play. A whole nother however many minutes, eight mm-hmm. minutes or something. And do you remember that April from the bench was calling a total change of formation? She's she was calling a total like, no, switch of formation. No. And Julie, our captain, who's in the middle of the field, she's like, no, F that, <gasps> stay the course. Do not change. We stay the course. <laughs> I forgot about that. <laughs> and so all of us, and by the way, Julie has like a, your your ankle was basically broken. Oh, yeah. Right? That's Wasn't right. I had like, to
0: shoot it up with like cortisone or something. I yeah. was like dragging you were, like, it.
2: Hobbling ar- you were like hobbling around <laughs> with a cane, it
0: looked like. No,
2: stay the course. Do not change formations. Do not listen oh more. My do not listen more, coach. I'm I can't like, believe I did that. I'm 24 years old. I'm like, what the hell is happening right now? And then, you know what's so funny, Jules? Is in 2012, if you fast forward even more, we did that with Pia. Oh, no so in,
0: Yes, you followed yes, me.
2: Yes, we did. Because in 2011, yes. Pia was one of those coaches who's like, do not dribble to the corner and waste time. That is a travesty to soccer. <laughs> do not disrespect the right. game. You you be confident enough to hold on to the right. ball. Do not waste time to win a right. game. So we did that. We were trying to do that in 2011. Like we're just gonna keep playing because we're gonna listen to Pia. And so that's when, of course, Sawa scores her goal, and and they end up beating us in penalty kicks. And so in 2012, when when the time started to to tick down, we were like, take it to the corners, waste as much time, stand on not it, listen to her, stand on it. Yes, yes, yeah. yeah. yeah and we won. So <laughs> the, the player's know See? best is what this See, it's a good is. audible.
0: They have to sometimes just like believe that you you know best. I'm living that moment on the field. Sister, thanks very much, but I'm good. Oh, 100%, sorry, April, I still 100%. respect you.
1: What did it mean to you to score that goal and send the 99ers crew out with a win? Oh.
2: So going back to the 03 loss feeling like totally responsible for that you know I was a kid who came on the team after the 99 Women's World Cup so having watched them and and felt this meteoric rise of these human beings that they went from virtually unknown quantities to in my opinion some of the most popular people uh, sports figures on the planet. And they were like helping an an entire gender, right? Like be seen, like look at what we can do. And so here I was, this young kid coming on the team, and then I was the one that blew it. I was the one that blew it from being able to do a repeat. So this '04 4 Olympic gold medal winning header was the kind of like... I don't know. It was relieving more than anything. Cause then I wouldn't spend the rest of my life kicking my own ass. <laughs> These women deserve to go out on top. Cause we all knew at the time that they were going to probably retire, you know, and they deserved it. Julie, you deserved it. Mia. I mean, and, and, and joy, like the three of you walking away, you deserve to walk away as champions. And that was my whole, I mean, I didn't drink. I didn't have a, uh, like, I didn't have any soda. I didn't have any <laughs> fried food for like 6 months prior to the, the yeah. Olympics i was like totally probably the fittest in my career during that time <laughs> and the craziest i think too i was like very specific on every little thing um just because i felt like i had to suffer a little bit for for that 03 loss oh, but it ended up paying I off, off cuz you, you guys were able that to walk much away about
0: the 03 loss well, oh, I, I, yeah. told, oh, I told I yeah. told Ian. I know you've heard this story before, but I was like, if we don't win this Olympics and I'm retiring, <laughs> I I just want to tell you I'm gonna apologize in advance. I'm gonna be a bitch for the rest of my life. Like <laughs> you, you're you're not gonna want to be around me. And I, I just, like if I do not win this, I don't know what's gonna happen. And so thank you for that for understanding. I mean, that. I yes i feel that deeply
2: too. i feel that deeply i felt that about 2015 also yeah. it's like if i don't win a world cup like what will this whole i
0: know have
1: okay done?
0: good let's go to 15 okay i'm gonna give a little context <laughs> so um you have now as you're going into the 2015 this would be your fourth world cup and amazingly. Mm-hmm. You had yet to win a World Cup, so you'd won everything mm-hmm. else in your life. You'd won two Olympic gold mm-hmm. medals. You've won every mm-hmm. award out there at the time. Mm-hmm. Not state, not state cup. I, I
2: failed to win a state cup championship.
0: <laughs> High school. <laughs> oh my God, that's right. I remember that, that was really
2: upsetting. We, you guys, we lost. <laughs> we were winning that. three to zero. We were winning three to zero with nineteen minutes left, and we lost four to three. <laughs> it doesn't so stick it with you at all. And anymore. we're continuing on with this story. Continue.
0: <laughs> so you go into this World Cup, and I. I know like how badly having had many conversations with you on television and off about like just I do not want to end my career without a World Cup. On top of that, you're the you've scored more goals than any other player on the planet. So you go into this World Cup mm. and this Abby, when I think about all the things you've done in your career, this one still gives me the chills. Right? Because mm. you go into this World Cup. It's everything that a leader should be. You go into this World Cup on the bench knowing mm-hmm. you're not going to start. And for a lot of leaders, and the reason this means so much to me is, and this is what I preach to the kids all the time in our leadership academy, is that, you know, it's easy to be a leader when everything's going well and you're playing and you're winning or, you know, life is good. But what kind of leader are you when the shit hits the fans, fan and you're mm-hmm. not leading from the front? You're having to lead in a different position. And you talk a ton about this in Wolfpack, your best-selling mm-hmm. book, which is yeah. fantastic if you guys don't have it, get it, see it there there it is i do i see it it's so cute um but the importance of in a moment where you're not leading from the front how could you lead from the back and still be impactful but how hard that must have been how
2: hard was it well i remember i remember getting you know called into jill's office jill ellis was our coach at the time and her office was a hotel room that's it (laughs) um
1: Again, maybe, maybe we can set the down. scene, so this would be Canada. Is it you're, Yes, we were in Canada during the
2: tournament already. Yeah. yeah. we were actually through the through uh I think it was after the the third game, mm-hmm. so we were through the, the the group stage and we were heading into the knockout round stage. Um and you know, I'm 35 years old. I know that my my tournament is probably going to look a little different. Um those knockout round stage games Everybody on this podcast probably knows, but if you go into, uh, if it's tied at the end of the game, you go into extra time. And so you're playing two 15 minute halves, uh, that's 30 minutes extra soccer and then possibly penalties. And Jill brought me in and she just was like, look, we want you on the field at the end of the game. So if we need to push for a goal, you'll be on the field. And if we need to hold the lead, you'll be on the field. And I got truly, I, I deeply understood that strategy I also deeply agreed with the strategy of every single player is going to have to play minutes that matter. Um, in, in many World Cups of past, you find you're starting 11 and maybe three or four other players that will, will find mm-hmm. many minutes throughout the tournament and then not many other players will play. This team and all the teams of the future will be very different. Everybody's going to have a role and everybody's going to have a specific thing that they're going to be very good at. So one of the best in the world at that, that that is going to need to be contributed against a specific opponent. Right. So I understood this philosophy and I agreed with it. And so when I was told that I was going to come off the bench, um, for the rest of the tournament, um, I, I just remember the air went out of my body and I said, okay, um i'm going to go and we will i'll circle back is what i said i'll we're i'm going to go and i'll circle back um and i went back into my hotel room and i sat on my bed and it was very similar to the f- first times where i was told that i wasn't going to go to algarve or i wasn't going to go or i wasn't going to make a, a a roster right it's embarrassing hmm. and I was embarrassed. I was terrified to tell my mom and dad and my family, um, how does somebody in the position that I was in, I was the former FIFA player of the year and I was leading world, the gold, the goal scorer of the world. You know, how am I, how am I supposed to respond to this? Like how, how is this supposed to go? Um, And, and quite frankly, the devastation was real because even though in my heart I knew it was probably the right thing, my ego also has a, a say in this matter, right. and my ego also had some feelings around this. So I allowed myself some time to play out both options, like h- how to respond here. Respond well or not so well. <laughs> what does that look like? <laughs> and, and quite frankly, I had to play out both scenarios to the end hmm. to understand which response I was gonna choose. And I had some I had some former teammates of mine who had experiences in responding in not so great ways that I took into account. Um, so sometimes it's like learning from the people around you of what not to do is really helpful. And so I did, I played both of these scenarios out and I understood, and this is selfish. Uh, truly, this is selfish. I understood that if I was a bad teammate, we would have less of a chance of winning. And that was more important to me than my ego. Mm. Winning was more important than me, than, than my ego and the way that I would be posturing. Right. So I decided, okay, I'm pretty competitive. So I was like, I'm going to be the best bench player that ever benched in the world. And I think I did. I think I won the bench game. So much
0: so they sent you to the end of the bench. You were so loud. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Jill was like, yo. Like, I love this. I love this. Great I love energy. this attitude. But like, can, send you, that, send can that you just go further, further down the bench? Um, and, you know, the whole time I knew that my teammates would be watching me. But Jules, here's here's the thing. And I, I haven't really, I just figured this out within the last couple of months. One of the things, I, I, I say this a lot, like, um, I think I'm most proud of, the way that I responded to this benching than maybe any goal that I ever scored for the U S and that is true. Mm-hmm. But what has also become very clear is this, um, I didn't understand how much I was going to solidify the respect of my teammates mm-hmm. in the way that I responded because now like when, when the shit hits the fan of some of those teammates that I had shared that that field with, when the shit hits the fan, when babies happen, when when marriages happen, when divorces happen, when a f- like anything that's going on, these women trust me mm-hmm. because I showed up for yeah. them because I showed up for us, and that wasn't because when the thing was going well and I was telling everybody how much they mattered. It was like when the the when the thing was going poorly exactly. for me, I still stood up for everything that I said. Right about what i thought a good teammate was and that is truly the thing that brings me um the most confidence and self esteem from the time that i played on the national team 100% yeah, because it's
0: one thing to to be in a position where you're at the top of your game and you're telling someone who's not at the top of the game, who are spending considerable amounts on the bench or, you know, apply that to life and anything, right? They're not the top of the ladder. They're, you know, way down the totem pole at at work and in a job or not doing well. It's one thing to hear it from that person who's at the top of their game, like, oh, yeah, easy for you to say you're at the top of your game. But when then you're in that Mm -hmm. position... And how you respond is when you weren't you earn that respect, I think. And that's when the true traits yeah. of a leader come out of okay, I'm now not at the top of the mountain shouting down. How how am I gonna mm-hmm. how am I gonna deal with this? Because we know there's a lot who don't deal with it well. And I just mm-hmm. I, I mean that moment, I still get the chills when I think about it because it said so much about you.
2: Well, let me tell you, it wasn't easy. Hmm. Like it was the hardest tournament I ever played in, in my whole life. Oh, yeah. It was hard not starting. It was hard not having, you know, I'm a control freak. I wanted to be on the field. And as a competitor, I still felt like I could impact the game in a positive way, but it didn't matter what I thought. Like you, we are all given certain roles and we have to make the best of the things that we are given. Um, and everything I had yet to learn about leadership was sitting right there on the bench. (laughs) Like who freaking knew like the irony of that, you know? And I think about all the things that I ever said to some of those players who didn't get a lot of time on the field, who didn't get a lot of minutes playing, you matter, right? Mm -hmm. Like, like you being positive, like it helps me, it helps us. And so truly I just like channeled my inner, my inner best bench player and, quite frankly, Jules, I wouldn't be talking to you today about having written two books about leadership. Um, had I not been given this bench role to literally learn what it was like to have to figure out and manage a group of women from a different perspective. Yeah. Yeah. That was hard. It was not easy, but it's possible. Like we're adults when we're handed crap, we still do get to decide what we're going to do with that bag of (laughs) shit. You know, we get to decide. (laughs) Like, I don't, I just don't adhere to the mindset that so many people do that. It's like, oh, well, I can't help it. It's like, okay, if we're going to find victim, if if we're going to like point out the victims of the world, don't let it be you, Mm -hmm. right? Like we get to decide how to navigate through some of life's,
0: well Challenges, and that's the thing that's you've so, had some crap thrown at you. I mean and that and that's the journey that I I look at. I mean fast forward again, right? You go through this incredible moment where you go from a really high high of winning the World Cup finally after four tries leading from the mm-hmm. bench, right? And then you go into this transition of star iconic legendary soccer player to retired athlete and the dreaded question of, okay, what does this next Ugh. phase look like? I hate when people oh, ask this that ton. question, by the way. It's like, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Julie, you've right? asked that question yeah. to our guests before. I know. I Maybe we should
1: stop it's asking the, that question.
0: It's the worst. It's, well, in that moment when you're like, I don't know. We've asked honestly, people at that moment, well, I think, too.
2: Yeah. This is, the, this is the thing about retirement from sport because I, I, I feel like we talk about you know, as a pro athlete, when you're like, oh, well, when I retire, like we actually have to talk about it differently because we're not retiring
0: mm-hmm. period.
2: Mm-hmm. Like that's a totally different ball game. That's like in 35 years, you know, this is a retirement from this identity. This is like a, a complete identity, identity shift. And nobody, has the right information. Truly, there is such little information about this transition for any of us. Um, Something that I learned and it's not okay. And I'm trying to to solve for that right now to make sure that some of those next players who want to walk away have a little bit of an easier path. But the reality is when you do something at that level for so long, there is going to be some suffering. Mm. And I went through a really hard time um, and it wasn't because I was at the highest high on the national team. It wasn't because we had just won the World Cup. Mostly it was because I was so terrified of ha- I ha- having no idea what the hell I was going to do mm-hmm. next. And that imploded all the parts of my life. Because you have to have this, this complete singular focus on playing for so long that once you start opening up like your focus to like get a little peripheral vision on Oh, there's a real world out here. It isn't. It is terrifying. Like I didn't know how to keep my own calendar. I didn't know how to do like normal things. I was a pro athlete. I liked people holding my hand and doing things for me.
0: Um, your schedule under I mean, your door every day. It's like yes,
2: exactly, totally. And I'm a very good rule follower. Like I'll do if you just put it under there. I will do everything <laughs> on that list. You're damn right, I will. But when 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 given the task of creating a whole new life it just felt so terrifying in my, at the time my, my marriage was falling apart. Um, and I was suffering big time with alcohol and prescription drugs because of all of the injuries that I had occurred on the field. And I started abusing those, those prescription drugs. Um, and then, you know, one fateful night, I get behind the wheel of a car having had, um, drank too much on a golf course. Um, Biggest mistake of my life, but best thing that ever happened mm-hmm. to me. Um, I get arrested for DUI, and um, and I actually just told this story the other day to some college kids. It was so ironic because you know when you get put in jail, they will take away your shoelaces so as to not harm yourself mm-hmm. or somebody mm-hmm. else. Because we were in like a community hold, um, <laughs> we there. I was with other women in in this this jail. And I happened to, of course, be a lesbian. Uh, so I was wearing Birkenstocks. <laughs> so I didn't, I, didn't, I didn't have laces. So I was good on that front. But what that did was it gave me the, the wrong idea about me actually not belonging there. For the first few hours of being in this jail, I just kept watching these women shuffling their feet around because they'd be walking. And they would shuffle their shoes because they didn't have any
0: laces, laces
2: in right. their shoes. And I was like, God, these people are—they are those those people are crazy. There's something wrong with them, and I couldn't figure out that I was them until I sobered up. Until I figured out, oh Jesus, this is not good, right? This my life is over. Um, I thought that I ruined every kind of bit of goodwill that I had gained on the national team. Mm. Um, My face. I uh, was on ESPN ticker for yeah. a solid six or seven days. Mm-hmm. And that was that was enough embarrassment that will last a lifetime for me. Um, I've been sober since. Mm-hmm. Did you just
1: make a decision that night?
2: Yeah, so a few things happened. Number one, um, I get arrested and um, you have to go through, I had to go through this program that uh, I basically plead guilty to the DUII Um, And if I go through um, a diversion program of not drinking or not doing any drugs for one year and I would have to take drug tests, then this whole situation would be erased from my record. So I chose that, of course. Um, And it was really cool because when the lawyers sat down at my kitchen table the next day explaining the process, I sobbed so hard because when you're an addict and you don't have control... And somebody else just goes and grabs that little bit of control to give you a little bit of momentum um, to get on the other side of this addiction that kind of had its talons in me. I just sobbed. I sobbed in relief because now I didn't have to. It wasn't up to me. Somebody else had it. And I knew that it was going to give me enough time to build up enough strength to be able to do it myself after that year. And that's exactly what happened. Um, that diversion program truly saved my life um, and also meeting Glennon a month later helped
0: I know um, the timing of that Lynn yeah, and I same. both talked about that
2: yeah I mean walking into that room and meeting Glennon absolutely changed my life because one thing I was struggling with was I didn't I didn't have a life or I had never created a life without friends that what we did was, like, go to bars, you know? Like, mm-hmm. that was the only way that I knew how to people and, like, do life. Mm-hmm. And Glennon, and I, I honestly think she was, like, maybe one of the first people that was, like, living a sober life that I felt like, oh, she's able to do life sober. It was, like, the first time I ever thought of it as a possibility. Um, and, and quite frankly, I just we would have missed each other had I not made that choice, you know? And I think that there's something super serendipitous about that. Um, And, you know, I just am so grateful for it because addiction can really create the habit of what you're doing on a daily basis. And for me, I was numbing a lot of the stressors and the, the terror of what I was going to do next. And had it not been for that DUI, um, had it not been for meeting Glennon, like I now, I now know that that sometimes when when life does things like this, it's you got to listen. They're like little whispers. Oprah says like when life sends you whispers, um, you should listen because otherwise, life will send you a brick and it will land right in your face.
0: <laughs> and that hurts. <laughs>
2: and that not only hurts, but it forces you to listen. Um, so yeah, I'm so proud of. The way that I responded to this I also you know had to call my mom from jail and that was really sucky oh. um, you know I'm 35 years old how, why am I calling my mother like that's so weird <laughs> you know and I don't know I just think that there's so much to be learned from um, time spent in a sober existence
0: how many years now
2: it's been almost five years. Oh, which nice. is which is astounding. I mean, Jules, you know how I used to be. I was just a wild yeah. child. Um, but everything good in my life, I feel like I have my life in order. Um and you know, it's chaos on a daily basis, <laughs> but for yeah. the most yeah. part, I'm like, wow, chaos, I've got though. my I've got my shit together. Like yeah. good job. And
0: <laughs> yes. <laughs> every day.
2: Yeah, every day it feels like that confidence keeps getting larger and larger and larger. And so if you're out there and you are attempting or struggling or afraid of even talking out loud about maybe, um, you thinking about having some sort of addiction or, or, or a substance abuse problem. Um, you know, what they say is if you're thinking about it,
1: it's usually probably a little true.
2: So, lean into that. And, um, there's, there's meetings you can go to. There's so many professionals, um, that you can go to and you are not alone. Um, one thing that Glennon made me feel so seen when we first met is I had just, I was trying to figure out if if I was going to include this in the book, the memoir forward that I wrote. And, and I, and I knew Glennon was a really successful truth-telling author. And I just said, Glennon, I, I just don't know what to do, and I feel like maybe you could help me with this to 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 help navigate whether or not I should uh, tell the story in my memoir. And she just touched my arm, which was electric, by the way. <laughs> and she goes, "Oh, so so see here in the real world, we like real people, and <laughs> you should probably tell your true story." Um, mm. And she said, "And also, don't worry, my rap sheet is long is as long as your arm. And look at me, I'm." I'm, at the time, I think she was 15 years sober. She's like, yeah. you know, it will not last forever, what you're feeling right, right now. And I it was takes like,
0: the shame out of it, right? Which is that's what it. the barrier is to so many seeking help.
2: The the, the shame is what keeps people
0: um, in their addiction. If you right.
2: can, I mean, Glennon is radically shameless, um, and I keep learning from her. Radically
0: sure. shameless. That could be a book title. It's mm. good. The next one.
2: Mm. No, time. I never want to write another book. They're so hard,
0: <laughs> Julie.
2: You've written a book.
0: It's hard. I know. <sighs> I had to hyperventilate into a bag many times. What about now? Like as you've made the transition, right? You're you're still navigating though. As I, I mean, I I'm still navigating at fifty. That you know what I want to do and how I want to it do it. Fifty. Fifty. I said that with such confidence, too. I'm 50. Um, what, what do you draw on that you learned from this this journey? Well,
2: one thing that I know to be true is that I am still forging ahead and trying to lay bricks and a path for the players who come behind me to have a better experience than I did right here in my fifth year of retirement. Um, not many people know this, but I have been able to make probably three times as much money in my retirement than I did as a national team player in the 15 years that I played. Mm-hmm. Um, and I say that for a reason, not because I want to brag about how much money I've made, because it's, you know, it's not crazy amount. But I say it because we still have a long way to go. hmm on how we're paying our athletes and the life that they will be able to step into in their retirement. Um, You know, I stood on stage next to to Kobe and and Peyton and make Kobe rest in peace um, on that SB stage. And the the three of us just walked into very different retirements. Um, I am hell bent on making sure that doors are open and not just the doors, but the tables that you walk into and sit around aren't Mm -hmm. just chairs because that still insinuates that table is being owned by somebody else. Mm -hmm. We need to own the shit Jules. Mm -hmm. We need to own the shit. So I am trying to figure out unique and creative ways, um, to own the shit, um, <laughs> not just for me, but for all of us. You know, Great I think company. that that's why we all that's why we all jumped at the chance of being a part of Angel City FC, mm-hmm. um, because that is where the power lies. And that is how we actually change the world institutionally from the ground up, not just from the top down.
0: So for that's me, so funny. I just had that conversation with a friend. I was like, yeah. ah, you know what? I'm going to start owning stuff. I'm gonna start getting <laughs> equity and stuff. I don't yes. need to work for something. I'm gonna start yes. owning. And she's like, "Yes, oh, go, sister." I was like, yes. "Yes,
2: yeah." So you know, I mean, look. When I retired, Kobe, he was starting his own um, investment fund, and uh, he asked me if I wanted to invest. And I was like, "Yes, I want to invest." And he's like, "Okay, the minimum is five hundred thousand dollars."
1: Yo, okay. And I was
2: like, I was like, <laughs> Oh, well, thank you very much. Good talk. I I got to go find a job um, for the next Did few years to be thing? able to to be able to pay pay my minimum here. Talk in a do, you do, a do, do you do a layaway? Do you do a layaway? Um so so what I'm trying to figure out is, you know, I'm finding myself in uh, conversations in the finance and the investment world. I'm very interested in, in early stage angel investing, venture capital hmm. investing and um, I'm trying to figure out a way that democratizes investments for um not just professional women in sport um but just for women Mm -hmm. so you know i have big big vision goals um but i'm you know when i think about raising money um and having women own uh parts of this fund and own percentage shares and equity in companies like that is where the power lies yeah. and there just aren't enough women in the space yeah. um, because the minimums are too high. Right. Yeah. So how, how can we collectively solve for this? So I'm, I've got some really cool things that are coming up personally speaking wise and um, trying to come up with a, a way um, to help the professional sports women of the world in all sports to retire well, hmm. to, uh, have retirement. I mean, Jules, I didn't I have a it. retire. I didn't have a retirement package. Right, I
0: know.
2: Um, I know. And that, even if it's just set up, right? Like, even if it, there's just like a vehicle that you see that you can invest a couple hundred dollars, even a year,
1: yeah. and
2: you see that investment. And in, you know, as a pro athlete, we don't, we haven't, weren't getting paid. And the current players, the current players in of Cell aren't getting paid enough.
0: Um, we, and you don't just talk the talk, right? This is what I've always loved yeah. about you. You walk the walk. I mean, our first Zoom call with Angel City and all the owners, Lynn, mm-hmm. Abby, the first thing she, we bring up, it's literally the Zoom calls, like, oh, hey, Natalie Portman. Oh, hey, Eva Longoria. What's happening? Oh, hi, America Pereira. <laughs> like, it's crazy. And Abby, first thing she says is, how can we create a retirement fund for the players? Like, let's let's start thinking that way. And on top of that, I mean, the thing you don't take enough credit for, I don't think, in life is the impact you have by the things and actions you've done and the words you've said. Natalie Portman, who is the godmother of Angel City and really the catalyst behind all of this, says the reason she started a women's professional soccer team is she heard Abby talking about this, this very Mm. thing, and thought, why can't we change it? And... Bless her soul. She didn't just say, why can't we change it? She then acted on it. And now we have this incredible group at Angel City. So, um, but that starts with you, sister. Mm, yeah, I mean, look, that starts with all of us. I think that I just happened to be on that
2: stage. And the irony, Jules, and I'll tell you and your listeners this, I think that that was the, I felt when I walked off that stage, because there was a lot of famous people in that crowd. When I walked <laughs> off that stage. Time's up event, right? Yeah, when I walked <laughs> off that stage, that was like the biggest bomb of my professional speaking career. Like I felt like I had Wait. never spoke so poorly in my life. Seriously, It's literally, so when Glennon and I talk about it, cause I, she was there, Glennon was in the audience. We called, cause it was called a fireside chat. So our inside joke is anytime I say fireside chat between Glennon and I, she knows like, Oh, the fireside chat. Right. So the irony that this opportunity arose from fireside chat
0: abby the fireside oh. chat started a professional oh. women's soccer team in la that's gonna change the way we do women's professional Yo, sports i
1: mean you just there appears never, to be a theme no. if you if you if abby wambach has a fail you better watch out because things coming. gonna turn around <laughs> something, something big is
0: coming shit gonna happen <laughs> That should be your that should be your company shit going to happen. Shit going to happen pretty soon. Just be patient.
2: We are all the own we are all our own stars in our own specific movies. Um and I have had a really really cool first couple of first couple of acts in my life and um my 40s have been exceptional so far. Um, we're moving to the west coast in four or five months and i'm
1: so excited yeah breaking news you were just telling me this yes it's gonna
0: happen what
2: yes we are moving to la jules
0: oh shut up how am i just (laughs) hearing about this on a damn podcast (laughs) i am so angry at you too right now i am angry I know. Do you need a realtor? Do you
2: need no, a we No, we do you need? did we you are find like, a house? We found a house. Oh, we're putting an offer in today. Ooh. Yes. Whoa. I know. Shut I know. It's so no. weird. Oh. Wait, are you going back
0: to Hermosa? Where are you going?
2: Yeah, we're gonna be in Hermosa. North Hermosa.
0: Oh, Mia is gonna be so excited! I know she's say. actually
2: been in cahoots with us, um, because we've needed her to go look at some property. Wow, just to, wow to, to that's get a, so. Sh- do we need to like come there during the COVID time? You know, right? Um, so we yes. are beyond excited. And our kids are on board, and Craig—we're all moving. One big ha- happy family. Oh, we're no like, way. Craig's
0: coming too. Yeah. Because I was wow. just thinking, where we go,
2: one we go all, baby.
0: Oh, I'm so happy. I was just thinking. Oh God, that's going to be so hard on Craig.
2: No, he's coming. Yay. Yeah. He, he's. We're. He's going to rent a. You know. He's going to have a house there, and we're going to have a house there, and kids are going to be oh, little beach that makes beach me kids. So happy. <gasps> yeah, it's the cool.
0: whole modern family's going west. Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, Lynn game. Um, Abby, I know that you still have your competitive juices flowing. I'm just warning you. I'm really good at the Linn game. Uh, I don't know practice. what this is, so of yeah, course you're going to be good. So good luck. Gonna,
2: so, good. A, a little learning curve here.
1: Well, I'm actually going to. I am going to switch things up here, so it's going to be a very level playing field. So for this game, instead of doing multiple choice, it's just going to be yes or no. So I asked each of you to write down. On a piece of paper, yes and no. Then you'll have to flash your answer. The theme of this game is, did Glennon say it? I love this game. And also, I will never live it down if I lose, ever. We have five quotes, best of five. And ultimately the question is, did Glennon Doyle say it? And I will require a yes or no answer. Okay. from each of you after each quote at the same time and we will we will time the the, the same time okay. yeah you can't it. you just you gotta go yes or okay. no okay okay quote number one.
0: Oh god <laughs> i'm really nervous <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: unfair i just i'm afraid
2: i'm gonna raise the wrong card
1: <laughs> the braver i am the luckier i get
0: Oh, come on, so easy. We have
1: a yes from Julie, a yes from yes. Abby. Yes, yes
0: from both of us. That yes. is a
1: Glennon Doyle quote. Yes. yes. So easy. Okay, okay, okay,
0: I got it, I got it. I love that quote. That's an update. Quote ad-jave. number
1: two, nothing worth having comes easy, Glennon or not. We have a no from both Julie and Abby. That is correct. <laughs> oh,
2: yes! It's called We Can Do Hard Things.
1: Okay, quote three, the biggest adventure you can ever take is to live the life of your dreams. What do you both say? I say yes. I say no. Abby gets it. That was Oprah. <laughs> Oprah. That
0: was a good one though. <gasps> but it will be oh, like God. that I thought she was Oprah. <laughs> yes.
1: That's a good one okay, to get wrong. Okay, two to
0: one. Damn. Okay. Quote number four.
1: The most important thing I've learned is that what you do will never define you for long. Who you are always will. What do you Easy. both say? Yes. What do you both yes. say? Yes. 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 Incorrect. Abby wow, Wambach said that. It was me.
2: Yeah, it was me. But guess who wrote it?
1: <laughs> I actually
2: win it. Because <laughs> guess who actually wrote that quote? She is the deep ghost writer on some of that Wolfpack book. Yes, I win it.
1: <laughs> oh my god! I knew that that was gonna
2: happen. New 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 quote, yes. so I knew you were gonna quote Wolfpack.
1: That's Wolfpack.
2: She wrote that moment. I was like, what do you think about this sentence? She's like, well, let's do it like this. I'm like,
1: okay, perfect. (laughs) That sounds better. Wait, read it again. The most important, this is so good. The most important thing I've learned is that what you do will never define you for long. Who you are always will. Always will. (sighs) Amen. Uh, So it was Glennon
0: via Wolfpack. That is not a category that we have sorted. (sighs) okay all right i'll I'll take i'll take the
2: loss on that no 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 we're two to one we we both got that one specifically wrong but i just wanted to clarify i knew who wrote that
1: (laughs) okay okay here we go all right so we're going on to quote five this is the i gotta i gotta win this to tie it yeah Mm -hmm. i am here to keep becoming truer more beautiful versions of myself again and again forever what do you both say
0: yes yes abigail for the win if you didn't win i actually think
2: it's four to four to three yeah because you didn't i I I got i got all but that one questionable one wrong i just want to be clear because i know yeah because we got the one we got the ones that weren't hers correct
0: Mm -hmm. also Mm -hmm. well done ab thank you okay most pressing question all right abigail why did you go, since your name is Mary... I don't know if I've ever asked you this before. Mary oh. Abigail Wombach. Yeah. Why don't you go with Mary? Yeah. Well... Not that I see you as a Mary. I don't know.
2: <laughs> so I am the youngest of seven, and my mom is Catholic. Uh, we were all raised Catholic. I'm a recovering Catholic. And, and um, know. she had four boys right directly in front of me. So there's two girls, then four boys and then me. So I'm the last. And my mom prayed because of those four boys. She prayed to the Mary Virgin mother of God that if she had a little girl, she would put Mary in her name. And so she felt like Mary Abigail just sounded better than Abigail Mary, but they knew all along that they were going to call me Abby. Uh.
0: God, that is so good. That is that, that story. That is the true Catholic <laughs> and I, family. But I would
2: tell, I would tell all the
0: people in the world, don't do that to
2: your kids. Just name them what you want to call them. And I told
0: my dad when I was pregnant. He's like, I made the mistake of saying. He's like, what are you going to call? It was when I was pregnant with Izzy. What are you going to call her? And I said, I think like Isabel, Izzy. And he was like, Oh, <laughs> what about Mary Catherine? And, <laughs> what? I, and I was like. Huh? Because Mary Catherine is a great name. I mean, Mary Catherine was the one who sniffed her armpits on Saturday <laughs> yes, Night Live, remember? Exactly. And then would be like, "And then I, I smelled, like, Okay, Dad. Yeah, thanks. Nope. Oh my gonna be gosh. easy, anyways. All yeah,
2: right. it, it name. First of all, it's such a weird thing, like naming a person or things. It's just, it's a hard process. I get it, but just don't name your kids something and then not call them that because then they have to deal with being the first day of school every year. Mary, <laughs> Mary, is Mary here? Mary Wombach, Mayor Wombach. Wombach. And I'm like, I like slowly raise my hand and all of my friends every year look at me like, Mary, what is that? Just like, do your kid a favor and just like call right. them, name, name them what you're gonna
1: call them. It's mm, good. Abby, what is your favorite Indigo Girls song?
2: closer to fine
1: for sure Yay. or the power or the power of 2 yeah both of them
2: and you want to know something so wild during this pandemic my wife has gotten so popular with all of the women <clears throat> feminists of the world because of untamed oh. <clears throat> that like emily and her are uh, friends uh, uh, and like uh, has uh, offered to give uh, our middle daughter tish like singing writer song uh, lessons and they text uh, and they FaceTime, I'm like, I'll come home and she'll just be like, she'll be like on a call in here, in this office. And she'll be like talking to Emily or Adele. Like I came oh, home one day. Jules, remember we went to the Adele concert in Paris together? Yes.
1: yes. That was such a
2: debacle, That's, but it worked yes. out. But I came home once and she was like in here for four hours talking to Adele because, you know, women, when they read this book, Untamed, Mm -hmm. there is there is like the insides of them that has never been spoken to before and with some famous people they don't have they don't have access to realness and truth like this very often and so they get in touch with my wife and my wife is then busy on the phone with Adele I'm like what the hell like (laughs) like she's a therapist or something um but no, people have been so okay, touched by, do you, by her work. Do you
0: know my infatuation with the Indigo Girls?
2: Oh my gosh, Jules. I, uh, listen, that, that I, I was have it my also. Band. I have it also. And by the way, so does Glennon. Glennon has uh, been an in Indigo Girls. Do you want to know the first thing that Craig said to Glennon when she told him about me? Yes. He goes, just quietly thinking. And he goes, So is this what all the Indigo Girls is about, Glennon? <laughs> That's his I first know. thing. Maybe I guess.
0: <laughs> Classic. Uh, oh God, I love them. Yeah, they're the best. And their I story. Once in Sweden, like stood outside their RV at a bar and was like, "Let us, in! Let us in! They were like, "Who are these crazy American groupies?" <laughs>
2: mm-hmm. I think Amy Ray just actually came out with a new. Um, single album today so or something.
0: Okay. <clears throat> Last segment Abby is called high low cheer of your career. So the high this is the one we do around the the table mm-hmm. with the kids. High of, of your career, low of your career, and someone <clears throat> the cheer is someone you are grateful for who has helped you along the way.
2: Ooh. Okay. First of all, I just want to thank you because when we did this a few years ago with me and Glennon um, your first podcast.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: We stole High Low yeah. Cheer, yeah. and it's actually in the Wolfpack book.
0: Yeah, I know. I love um, that.
2: because we just think it's so great. I love this. Um, so a high of my career. It's hard to dis- to discriminate between championships. It really is. <laughs> um, I have to say, even though we didn't win the 2011 World Cup. I think the thing that made one of the biggest splashes and impacts of my career and of the team at the time was the 2011 goal against Brazil. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, even though we even though we lost that tournament in penalty kicks, <clears throat> still not over that. I scored a freaking goal in overtime, in the <laughs> final, and we
0: still lost that game. Come on, are you kidding me? That was Father. Really the most gorgeous goal, too. Oh.
2: Uh, yeah, so that that goal was, I think, one of the highs because I think it changed the trajectory of my career.
0: Um, I would argue it changed the trajectory of women's soccer in this country. Yeah, I think that there was something pretty
2: magical about that moment that, like, mm-hmm. whoa. Like we do stuff and it was, and this is not in any way slighting your generation, but we lived in the shadow of the 99 team for so long mm-hmm. that this was like, you know, this is yeah. 11, 12 years later. Um, we finally put like our claim on yeah. the team. Like this is our team mm-hmm. and we're all still collectively our team, but we wanted to prove our own selves, right. That we were also worthy Um and yeah, there was just something really and just crazy amazing about it. Um high, that's a high and then the low. Uh whew. I mean, every time we lost, every World Cup loss, I would say and this is true, losing to Brazil in 07. Um in the way that whole thing went down, um you know, I I don't think that I made the best calls leadership wise, um, you know, hope the whole hope saga and the way that I felt about the situation. I just didn't handle it as well as I, I would now. Okay. Cheer. Yeah. The cheer. Uh, <clears throat> you know, I, I think about my mom and the ups and downs that I've had with her, um, I don't know if another human being has had more of a impact on me and becoming who I am, both good and bad, right? Like some of the hard things that I had to experience actually forged me into the person that I am. And I'm so grateful for it. So if you're having a hard time with your parents, like maybe it will forge you into something Mm -hmm. as strong as you possibly can be to, to never be broken. Um, But I just can't, you know, I can't think about uh, another person on the planet that is alive, that does more good for the people around her. And I I know this might sound a little bit cheesy, because she's my wife now. But, you know, Glennon is just, it's like she's, uh, she's a gift from God, however, that might fall on you. Um, I don't necessarily know what I think about God, I just think that she's an anomaly and something that um, her gifts just keep going into the world and for me to be able to be witnessing her experience on planet earth and to see her and to love her and to support her. It's honestly the greatest gift of my life. So absolutely my wife, she wins.
0: Mm.
2: (laughs) She wins the day.
0: Well, I, my cheer is for you because uh, as I, you know, reflect on knowing you for the past 20 years and watching you in this journey, right? I, I just constantly go back to the loyalty you have for your teammates, the honor, the passion in which you live your life, the boldness and courageousness in which you do things and that you advocate for women. I mean, those are things, as you know, that are near and dear to me, and you do them so well, Abby, Um, Mm. and you're just starting really I mean that's the fun part I can't wait to see all that's going to come from this so Mm. um, thank you for taking the time and uh, and for being wonderfully you and authentically you which is an awesomely you which is so fun to watch (laughs) over these years Mm.
2: thanks Jules thanks Lynn you guys are great I'll be back anytime so just keep (laughs) inviting me
0: Well, that's nice to know. Sweet. Abs, we'll see you next week. (laughs) She's welcome anytime. Anytime.
1: Anytime. Okay, Lynn. Takeaways, my dear? Sure. My takeaway is about how Abby talked about how she remembered meeting you for the first time because Mm. of how welcoming you were and that it made such an impression that she wanted to carry on that tradition And it reminded me of a a great quote from Maya Angelou. Are you ready for the quote?
0: Oh, nice. Mm -hmm. Yes. From
1: Maya Angelou, she said, I've learned that people will forget what you said. People will forget what you did. But people will never forget how you made them feel.
0: Mm. Nice.
1: So I think both you and Abby take that to heart for sure.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I was like, oh no, when she started that story. (laughs) Oh gosh, where's this going? Uh, My takeaway is, she's coming back to Cali, to (laughs) Cali. Uh, I was thrilled. I can't believe I learned that in the podcast, which means Angel City Games, let's go, 2022. Those will be fun. I know. Uh, And... Of course, just watching Abby evolve and grow and and to see her so happy. That warms mm. my heart. Warms my heart because I know she has indeed had a journey. Questions permitted,
1: Lynn. Yes. This question comes from a listener who has been with us since the beginning. His name is Hank Olzawi. <laughs> Hank. Also known as my dad. I solicited a question from him. And he had a good one. It's something we have talked about before, but I thought because it's the beginning of a new season that we could revisit it. So the big O's question is, how did you come up with the name Laughter Permitted?
0: Mm. Well, thank you, Hank, for asking that. Um, We came up with the name because at our Julie Foudy Sports Leadership Academies, We had a theme among our staff and with the kids. We used to joke with them and say, Hey, yo, laughter permitted when it got (laughs) quiet or serious. And one of the big things we always discuss at the academy is how sports are fun and there should be celebration Mm. and laughter. And it's what honestly was such a mainstay of the U.S. women's national team. Wherever we went, there was laughter and pranks and jokes and. Joy, and mm-hmm. so you one day said to me, "Laughter permitted." That sh- that could be our podcast name, and I was like, "Oh,
1: very nice. You're right." Speaking of JFSLA traditions, fun traditions, Julie, can mm-hmm. I get an and eye?
0: <laughs> oh gosh, I can't believe we haven't done this with a guest. Honestly, uh I'm waiting. Okay. And I yeah, will always love you. It's and Lynn, It's hit me with an and I. Oh, hit me with an and I. And I. Yeah. So that that's Jen, Adams and Dana, Dubs, Dobie, who does uh, our. They run our lacrosse. They're two rock stars, l- lacrosse legends who run our lacrosse at the academy. And that's something they brought. They'd, they'd say to one of their staff mem- members in the middle of like our huge evening session with the whole camp, hey, hit me with an and I. And then the staff, and you have to do it. That's the thing. You have to deliver. So we would, we do that at camp quite a bit ah good times good times we might have to
1: do that a bit this season
0: yeah a new wrinkle Uh, if you will any excuse i get to belt it out i'm i'm all in
1: and on that note i do apologize to our listeners who had to turn down (laughs) the volume just a little bit
0: (laughs) all right that does it for this episode our first of season five thanks as always to ally bank our presenting sponsor from day one and dick sporting goods Two great companies supporting women and this dope village. Please show them some love. Thanks to our friend Kate Diaz for our theme song, which she wrote and composed. Please check out her music. And remember, as always, kids, sing it with us. Laughter, Laughter permitted. permitted. Gara Guerra-
2: scored, and she Freckis. was my mark.
0: Hey there, Dope Village. Be sure to check out America's Caddy on ESPN Plus, hosted by Michael Collins. He's the longtime caddy, comedian, and ESPN golf analyst who interviews the biggest stars in the game. America's Caddy is part travelogue, part golf history lesson, and part celebrity hangout. Full of laughs. Streaming now on ESPN Plus. Also, Daily Wager is a new podcast for all your information on tonight's games. Listen every weekday afternoon for the latest info on the biggest games and plays. That's Daily Wager. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.